Chapter Sixteen of In the Arctic Seas. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. In the Arctic Seas by Captain F. L. McClintock. Chapter Sixteen. On the morning of second of June, we reached Point Victory. Here, Hobson's note left for me in the cairn informed me that he had not found the slightest trace of either a wreck anywhere upon the coast or of natives to the north of cape crozier although somewhat short of provisions i determined to remain a day here in order to examine an opening at the bottom of back bay called so after sir george back by his friend sir james ross and which had not been explored this proved to be an inlet nearly thirteen miles deep with an average width of one and a half or two miles i drove round it upon the dog sledge but found no trace of human beings it was filled with heavy old ice and was therefore unfavourable for the resort of seals and consequently of natives also the direction of the inlet is to the east-south-east we found the land on either side rose as we advanced up it and attained a considerable elevation except immediately across its head where alone it was very low i have conferred upon it the name of collinson after one who will be ever distinguished in connection with the franklin search and who kindly relieved lady franklin of much trouble by taking upon himself the financial business of this expedition an extensive bay westward of cape herschel i have named after captain washington the hydrographer a steadfast supporter of this final search all the intermediate coastline along which the retreating crews performed their fearful march is sacred to their names alone Hobson's note informed me of his having found a second record, deposited also by Lieutenant Gore in May 1847, upon the south side of Back Bay, but it afforded no additional information. It is strange that both these papers state the ships to have wintered in 1846-47 to at Beachy Island. So obvious a mistake would hardly have been made had any importance been attached to these documents. They were soldered up in thin tin cylinders, having been filled up on board prior to the departure of the travellers consequently the day upon which they were deposited was not filled in but already the papers were much damaged by rust a very few more years would have rendered them wholly illegible when the record left at point victory was opened to add thereto the supplemental information which gives it its chief value captain fitzjames as may be concluded by the colour of the ink filled in the date twenty eighth in may when the record was originally deposited the cylinder containing this record had not been soldered up again i suppose they had not the means of doing so it was found on the ground amongst a few loose stones which had evidently fallen along with it from the top of the cairn hobson removed every stone from this cairn down to the ground and rebuilt it brief as these records are we must needs be contented with them they are perfect models of official brevity no log-book could be more provokingly laconic yet that any record at all should be deposited after the abandonment of the ships does not seem to have been intended and we should feel the more thankful to captains crozier and fitzjames to whom we are indebted for the invaluable supplement and our gratitude ought to be all the greater when we remember that the ink had to be thawed and that writing in a tent during an april day in the arctic regions is by no means an easy task besides placing a copy of the record taken away by hobson from the cairn we both put records of our own in it and i also buried one under a large stone ten feet true north from it stating the explorations and discoveries we had made a great quantity and variety of things lay strewed about the cairn 
such as even in their three days march from the ships the retreating crews found it impossible to carry further amongst these were four heavy sets of boats cooking stoves pickaxes shovels iron hoops old canvas a large single block about four feet of a copper lightning conductor long pieces of hollow brass curtain rods a small case of selected medicines containing about twenty-four phials the contents in a wonderful state of preservation a deep circle by robinson with two needles bar magnet and light horizontal needle all complete the whole weighing only nine pounds and even a small sextant engraved with the name of frederick hornby lying beside the cairn without its case the coloured eye shades of the sextant had been taken out otherwise it was perfect the movable screws and such parts as come in contact with the observer's hand were neatly covered with thin leather to prevent frostbite in severe weather the clothing left by the retreating crews of the erebus and terror formed a huge heap four feet high every article was searched but the pockets were empty and not one of all these articles were marked indeed sailors warm clothing seldom is two canteens the property of marines were found one marked eighty eight c o william hedges and the other eighty nine c o william heather a small pannikin made out of a two-pound preserved meat tin had scratched on it w mark while continuing my homeward march and as nearly as i could judge two and a half or two and three-quarter miles to the north of point victory i saw a few stones placed in line as if across the head of a tenting place to afford some shelter here it was i think that lieutenant gore deposited the record in may eighteen forty seven which was found in eighteen forty eight by lieutenant irving and finally deposited at point victory some scraps of tin vessels were lying about but whether they had been left by sir james ross's party in may eighteen thirty or by the franklin expedition in eighteen forty seven or eighteen forty eight is uncertain here ended my own search for traces of the lost ones hobson found two other cairns and many relics between this position and cape felix from each place where any trace was discovered the most interesting of the relics were taken away so that the collection we have made is very considerable of these northern cairns i will write a description when i have received hobson's account of his journey but here it is as well to state his opinion as well as my own that no part of the coast between cape felix and cape crozier has been visited by eskimo since the fatal march of the lost crews in april eighteen forty eight none of the cairns or numerous articles strewed about which would be invaluable to the natives or even the driftwood we noticed had been touched by them from this very significant fact it seems quite certain that they had not been discovered by the eskimo whose knowledge of the white men falling down and dying as they walked along must be limited to the shoreline southward and eastward of cape crozier and where of course no traces were permitted to remain for us to find it is not probable that such fearful mortality would have overtaken them so early in their march as within eighty miles by sledge route from the abandoned ships such being their distance from cape crozier nor is it probable that we could have passed the wreck had she existed there as there are no off-lying islands to prevent a ship drifting in upon the beach whilst to the southward they are very numerous so much so that a drifting ship could hardly run the gauntlet between them so as to reach the shore the coast from point victory northward is considerably higher than that upon which we have been so many days the sea also is not so shallow and the ice comes close in to seaward all was heavy close pack consisting of all descriptions of ice but for the most part old and heavy from walls bay i crossed overland to the eastern shore and reached my depot near the entrance of port parry on the fifth of june after an absence of thirty-four days hence i purposed travelling along shore to cape sabine 
in order to avoid the rough ice which we encountered when crossing direct from cape victoria in april and also hoping to obtain a few more observations for the magnetic inclination the weather became foggy as we approached prince george's bay therefore we were obliged to go well into it before attempting to cross we gained the land upon the opposite side as i supposed and which would lead us direct to cape sabine but when the weather cleared up we saw a long low island to seaward of us which puzzled me much eventually i found we had discovered a strait leading from prince george's bay into wellington strait about eight miles south of cape sabine this discovery cost us a day's delay and was therefore unwelcome as we were then in daily expectation and dread of the thaw which renders all travelling so very difficult and we were still two hundred and thirty long miles from our ship in this strait we found a deserted snow village of seventeen huts one of them was unusually large its internal diameter being fourteen feet the men soon scraped together enough blubber to supply us with fuel for our homeward march strewed about on the ice or in every snow hut were shavings and chips of fresh wood in one of them i found a child's toy a miniature sledge made from wood no traces of natives were found upon either shore at this place nor had i met with any since leaving the western coast of the island to the southward of cape crozier having passed through nearly to the eastern edge of the strait we cut off some distance by crossing over land so as to reach the sea-coast three or four miles southward of cape sabine a few willow grouse two foxes and a young reindeer were seen there was some vegetation upon the land and animals appeared to resort to this locality in tolerable abundance the contrast between it and the low barren shore we had so recently come from was striking indeed nothing can exceed the gloom and desolation of the western coast of king william's island hobson and myself had some considerable experience of it his sojourn there exceeded a month its climate seems different from that of the eastern coast it is more exposed to northwest winds and the air was almost constantly loaded with chilling fogs everywhere upon the shores of the island i noticed boulders of dark gneiss upon the west coast they were generally small and of a dark grey colour about the north part of the island hobson found a good deal of sandstone the probable result of ice drift from melville island or banks land this land gives one the idea of its having risen within a recent geological period from the sea not suddenly but at regular intervals the numerous terraces or beach marks form long horizontal lines rising very gradually and in due proportion as their distance increases from the sea near the shore they are of course most distinct upon the west coast some fossils were picked up chiefly impressions of shells king william's island is for the most part extremely barren and its surface clotted over with innumerable ponds and lakes it is not by any means the land abounding with reindeer and musk oxen which we expected to find the natives told us there were none of the latter and very few of the former upon it on the eighth of june the first ducks and brent geese were seen flying northward passing over the extreme point of cape victoria boothia land near which we saw the deserted snow huts of our march acquaintances and shortly afterwards crossing the mouth of the deep bay to the north of it in which sheltered by the island a ship would find security from ice pressure and very tolerable winter quarters we again reached the straight low limestone coast of boothia felix i was unable to make any delay at the magnetic pole nor could i find a trace of ross's cairn but at each of our encampments along the coast the magnetic inclination was carefully observed throughout my whole journey i availed myself of every opportunity of obtaining these most interesting observations often remaining up after we had encamped for rest six or seven hours in order to do so 
but the instruments supplied for this purpose were not well adapted and occasioned me a vast deal of labour and loss of time so as to diminish to almost one-third the results i should otherwise have obtained much snow has disappeared off the land and the ridges or ancient beaches being the parts most free from snow showed out strongly in long dark horizontal lines rising above each other until lost to view in the interior here and there a few fossil shells and corals were picked up and four or five willow grouse shot thirteenth june we passed from limestone to granite in latitude seventy one degrees ten minutes north here the land attains to considerable elevation in the hollows of the dark granite rocks we found abundance of water and also in a few places upon the sea ice it was quite evident that in another day or two the snow would altogether yield to the warmth of summer birds were now frequently seen we discovered a narrow channel to the eastward of the one between the tasmania group through which we had passed with so much difficulty in april our new channel was covered with smooth ice and was also much shorter at one of our deposits lately visited a note left by hobson informed me of his being six days in advance of me and also of his own serious illness for many days past he had been unable to walk and was consequently conveyed upon the sledge his men were hastening home with all their strength and speed in order to get him under the doctor's care we also were doing our best to push on lest the bursting out of melting snow from the various ravines should render the ice impassable on the fifteenth the snow upon the ice everywhere yielded to the effects of increased temperature i was indeed most thankful at its having remained firm for so long to make any progress at all after this date was of course a very great labour requiring the utmost efforts of both the men and the dogs nor was the freezing mixture through which we trudged by any means agreeable we were often more than knee-deep in it we succeeded in reaching false strait on the morning of the eighteenth of june and pitched our tent just as heavy rain began to descend it lasted throughout the greater part of the day after travelling a few miles upon the long lake further progress was found to be quite impossible and we were obliged to haul our sledges up off the flooded ice and commence a march of sixteen or seventeen miles overland for the ship the poor dogs were so tired and sore-footed that we could not induce them to follow us they remained about the sledges after a very fatiguing scramble across the hills and through the snow valleys we were refreshed with a sight of our poor dear lonely little fox and arrived on board in time for a late breakfast on the nineteenth of june with respect to a navigable northwest passage and to the probability of our having been able last season to make any considerable advance to the southward had the barrier of ice across the western outlet of bellow strait permitted us to reach the open water beyond i think judging from what i have seen of the ice in the franklin strait that the chances were greatly in favour of our reaching cape herschel on the south side of king william's land by passing as i intended to do eastward of that island from bellow strait to cape victoria we found a mixture of old and new ice showing the exact proportion of pack and clear water at the setting in of winter once to the southward of the tasmania group i think our chief difficulty would have been overcome and south of cape victoria i doubt whether any further obstruction would have been experienced as but little if any ice remained the natives told us the ice went away and left a clear sea every year as our discoveries show the victoria strait to be but little more than twenty miles wide the ice pressed southward through so narrow a space could hardly have prevented our crossing to victoria land and cambridge bay the wintering place reached by collinson from the west no one who sees that portion of victoria strait which lies between king william's island and victoria land as we saw it could doubt of there being but one way of getting the ship through it 
that way being the extremely hazardous one of drift through in the pack the wide channel between prince of wales land and victoria land admits a vast and continuous stream of very heavy ocean formed ice from the northwest which presses upon the western face of king william's island and chokes up victoria strait in the manner i have just described i do not think the northwest passage could ever be sailed through by passing westward that is to windward of king william's island if the season was so favourable for navigation as to open up the northern part of this western sea as for instance in eighteen forty six where sir j franklin sailed down it i think but comparatively little difficulty would be experienced in the more southern portion of it until victoria strait was reached had sir john franklin known that a channel existed eastward of king william's land so named by sir john ross i do not think he would have risked the besetment of his ships in such very heavy ice to the westward of it but had he attempted the northwest passage by the eastern route he would probably have carried his ships safely through to bering strait but franklin was furnished with charts which indicated no passage to the eastward of king william's land and made that land since discovered by ray to be an island a peninsula attached to the continent of north america and he consequently had but one course open to him and that the one he adopted my own preference for the route by the east side of the island is founded upon the observations and experience of ray and collinson in eighteen fifty one fifty two and fifty four i am of the opinion that the barrier of ice off bellow strait some three or four miles wide was the only obstacle to our carrying the fox according to my original intention southward to the great fish river passing east of king william's island and from thence to a wintering position on victoria land perhaps some future voyager profiting by the experience so fearfully and fatally acquired by the franklin expedition and the observations of ray collinson and myself may succeed in carrying his ship through from sea to sea at least he will be enabled to direct all his efforts in the true and only direction in the meantime to franklin must be assigned the earliest discovery of the northwest passage though not the actual accomplishment of it in his ships saturday second july upon my arrival on board on the morning of the nineteenth of june my first inquiries were about hobson i found him in a worse state than i expected he reached the ship on the fourteenth unable to walk or even stand without assistance but already he was beginning to amend and was in excellent spirits christian had shot several ducks which with preserved potato milk strong ale and lemon juice completed a very respectable dietary for a scurvy stricken patient all the rest were tolerably well slight traces only of scurvy in two or three of the men the ship was as clean and trim as i could expect and all had well and cheerfully performed their duties during my absence hardly any game had been shot except one bear the doctor now acquainted me with the death of thomas blackwell ship's steward which occurred only five days previously and was occasioned by scurvy this man had scurvy when i left the ship in april and no means were left untried by the doctor to promote the recovery and rally his desponding energies but his mind unstained by hope lost all energy and at last he had to be forcibly taken upon deck for fresh air for months past the ship's spirits had been of necessity removed from under his control when too late his shipmates made it known that he had a dislike to preserved meats and had lived the whole winter upon salt pork he also disliked preserved potato and would not eat it unless watched nor would he put on clean clothes which others in charity prepared for him yet his death was somewhat unexpected he went on deck as usual to walk in the middle of the day and when found there was quite dead his remains were buried beside those of our late shipmate mr brand 
the news of our success to the southward in tracing the footsteps of the lost expedition greatly revived the spirits of my small crew we wished only for the safe and speedy return of young and his party captain young commenced his spring explorations on the seventh of april with a sledge party of four men and a second sledge drawn by six dogs under the management of our greenlander samuel finding in his progress that a channel existed between prince of wales land and victoria land whereby his discovery and search would be lengthened he sent back one sledge the tent and four men to the ship in order to economize provisions and for forty days journeyed with one man george hobday and the dogs in camping in such snow lodges as they were able to build this great exposure and fatigue together with extremely bad weather and a most difficult coastline to trace greatly injured his health he was compelled to return to the ship on seventh of june for medical aid but proposing at all hazards to renew his explorations almost immediately dr walker met this determination by a strong protest in writing against his leaving the ship again his health being quite unequal to it but after three days young felt himself somewhat better and with a zeal which knew no bounds set off to complete his branch of the search taking with him both his sledge parties from the doctor's account i felt most anxious for his return lest his health or that of his companions should receive permanent injury in fact this was now my only cause of anxiety the season was rather forward here and advancing with unusual rapidity rain and wind dissolving the snow and ice there was much water in bellow strait extending from halfway island eastward to the tableland and thence in a narrow lane to long island after a day or two i could perceive a vast improvement in hobson and my own four men with the exception of hampton who required rest were in sound health so also was my companion peterson on twenty fourth of june christian shot two small reindeer which gave us one hundred and seventy pounds of meat a few days before that he shot a seal which afforded two sumptuous meals for all on board the time having elapsed during which young expected to remain absent and the difficulties of the transit from the western sea having become greatly increased i set off early on the twenty fifth of june with my four men intending to visit pemmican rock but failing to come across him there i resolved to carry on provisions as far as four river point in the hope of meeting with him and of facilitating his return to our surprise the water had all drained off the frozen surface of the long lake and it therefore afforded excellent travelling we found the poor dogs lying quietly beside our sledges they had attacked the pemmican and devoured a small quantity which was not secured in tin also some blubber some leather straps and a gull that i had shot for a specimen but they had not apparently relished the biscuit poor dogs they have a hard life of it in these regions even peterson who is generally kind and humane seems to fancy they must have little or no feeling one of his theories is that you may knock an eskimo dog about the head with any article however heavy with perfect impunity to the brutes one of us upbraided him the other day because he broke his whip handle over the head of a dog that was nothing at all he assured us some friend of his in greenland found he could beat his dogs over the head with a heavy hammer it stunned them certainly but by laying them with their mouths open to the wind they soon revived got up and ran about all right we lost no time in giving them a good feed the first for seven days yet they did not seem unusually hungry and soon coiled themselves up to sleep again whilst the men and dogs were employed next day in conveying a sledge to the east end of the lake i walked to cape bird to look out for the absent party but they had not yet returned to pemmican rock when vainly endeavouring with felonious intentions to climb up a steep cliff to the breeding-places of some silvery gulls i saw and shot a brent goose seated upon an accessible ledge and made a prize of four eggs 
it seems strange that this bird should have selected so unusual a breeding place many seals were basking on the ice and the watercourse by which our sledges ascended a week before to the long lake was now a strong and rapid stream a few reindeer were seen on the twenty seventh i sent three of the men back to the ship and with thompson and the dogs went on to pemmican rock where to our great joy we happily met young and his party who had but just returned there after a long and successful journey the particulars of which i will give hereafter young was greatly reduced in flesh and strength so much weakened indeed that for the last few days he had travelled on the dog sledge harvey also far from well could just manage to keep pace with the sledge his malady was scurvy their journeys had been very depressing most dismal weather low dreary limestone shores devoid of game and no traces of the lost expedition the news of our success in the southern journeys greatly cheered them on the following day we were all once more on board and indulging in such rapid consumption of eatables as only those can do who have been much reduced by long continued fatigue and exposure to cold venison ducks beer and lemon juice daily preserved apples and cranberries three times a week and pickled whale-skin a famous antiscorbutic ad libitum for all who liked it the weather which for the last week had been wet windy and miserable now set in fair the carpenter's hammer and the men's voices at their work were new and animating sounds end of chapter sixteen